Welcome to Exhale Bible Discovery. Each week, we'll take a deep dive into the Bible, going line by line and chapter by chapter to discover the truths that God has for us in His Word. Well, hello, everyone. It's Dr. Paula McDonald, and we are in Lesson 11, Revelation Chapter 8. We are just moving along. So let's jump right in. Our loving God provides us with a beautiful pause between the sixth and the seventh seals. Now we're going to dive into the beginning of the seventh seal, the opening of the seventh seal. And it's a much needed pause that provides believers, us, with an opportunity to be reminded of God's great love and his promises to us. We serve a God of details, and we continue to see his attention to these details as we progress through this final book of the Bible. And as we step into chapter 8 of Revelation, it is important to be reminded of who God is. As things heat up and many things are not comprehensible to us, we've got to remember that we are not God. We've got to remember our place. We have limited minds, and therefore we will never understand all of God's ways. And as we've been reminded of early on in this study, we serve a just God who therefore must provide justice to those who are in opposition to him. So I have this chapter into two sections. Section one are the seven seals, Revelations 8, 1 through 5. And then the second division is seven angels and four trumpets. And that's 8, 6 through 13. So it's a short chapter, but as you know, it is packed, a massively packed chapter. Like we experienced in chapter 7 with the pause before this final seal is open, this part of chapter 8 also brings a dramatic pause. So it opens in verse 1 saying, When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Now that seems kind of strange, but imagine your pastor is giving an amazing sermon and right before his main point, he just stops and there's silence for 30 minutes. That would be pretty strange and it would probably seem like a lifetime. Well, we've seen in Revelation that in the throne room, there's so much praise and worship going on. And then now there's this deadening silence. Two scriptures come to mind regarding this silence. One in Habakkuk 2.20, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. And then we find in Zephaniah 1.7, be silent before the sovereign Lord. We've all heard the saying, the silence before the storm. And this silence signals that something big is coming. And indeed it is. So here the seventh seal opens. And these seven seals come prior to the seven trumpets that begin sounding here in chapter 8. And then finally, the bowl judgments will be revealed in chapter 15. Each of these three judgment sections, if you want to call them, become progressively more intense. And there's much discussion that's been had regarding these events and why God would ramp things up in this manner. And most agree that this shows the amazing God we serve and that he provides so many opportunities for the lost to come to him. You know, I said last night, if it were up to me, and thankfully I'm not God, I would just want to snap my fingers and it all be done. But not our wonderful and loving God. He is patient. 
So verse 2 says, And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And we need to understand the role that trumpets were used throughout the Old Testament. They were made from either a ram's horn or silver, and they were used to signal that war was imminent, or for the people to assemble, or a command to march. You can find this in Numbers 10, 1 through 10. Only the priests at that time, however, were the ones who blew the trumpets. So it was a very important action. Then during the feasts, there was a memorial of blowing the trumpets. You can find that in Leviticus 23, 24, Numbers 29. And in Psalm 81, 3 through 5, Joseph was actually released from prison in Egypt on the Feast of Trumpets, making for rich symbolism regarding the future release of the Israelite captives. The Feast of Trumpets is still today a very important time to reflect on what the Lord has done for us and to put aside our daily activity to focus on Him, much like what our Sundays should be. Also, God caused the walls of Jericho to fall after seven successive days of trumpets sounding. Interesting, seven days. Joshua 6, 4 through 20. Then in various end times, prophecies show that trumpets will precede the day of the Lord. In Joel 2, 1, Zechariah 9, 14 through 16. And when Jesus Christ returns as King of Kings and overthrows the nations of this world, thereby establishing the kingdom of God on earth. The resurrection from the dead is also connected to a mighty trumpet blast if you go to 1 Corinthians 15.52 and 1 Thessalonians 4.16. While the book of Revelation tells of seven trumpets, Revelation 8.2 through Revelation 11.15, when the last of these trumpets sounds, the kingdom of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. Isn't that a beautiful song we're hearing right now during the season? And that's Revelation 11:15, indicating he has returned. The deafening silence in heaven is now over as the trumpets blast, letting everyone know something is about to happen. So in verse 3, another angel who had a golden censer came in and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people on the golden altar in front of the throne. Now, this action is very important. Remember that we saw the altar with the martyrs for Christ beneath it in the throne room earlier in Revelation. Now, at the altar, it says the angels were given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people. So this is such a beautiful verse that gives all of us as believers the confidence that our prayers are never wasted and they do reach God in heaven. All of our prayers come to him. In chapter 5, we saw John's vision of the elders carrying the bowls of the believers' prayers. So let's take a quick look back at what we left off in chapter 6 before the pause. There was an earthquake, and the sun turned black, the moon turned red, the stars fell to the earth, and the sky receded, and every mountain and land was moved from its place. Everyone was hiding in caves and amongst the rocks, and it's almost if this receding sky is revealing what is coming. So here we have the people hiding and in complete fear. And then here comes this silence that must have felt like eons. And there must have been much fearful anticipation at this point. Verse 4 goes on to say, The smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people went up before God from the angel's hand. And prior to the seventh seal, we are reminded in chapter 7 that believers 
are firmly sealed in Christ. Then we have this silence in heaven. The angels are given their trumpets and they're ready to blast them. But before that happens, the prayers of God's people are lifted up. All of this is in preparation for what is about to happen. Verse 5, Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it to the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Now we see the drama unfold as this action of the censer, filled with the fire from the altar, is being thrown violently to the earth. And as this happens, there are sounds of thunder, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. No one would miss this event. And clearly, this is the beginning of God's harsh judgment to those who continue to deny him. The prayers that were lifted up now have the power to judge and remind everyone of who is in control. And another symbolism here shows that prayer has power. And in the end times, this power of prayer is now being used in the destruction of those who continue to rebel against God, those who mocked him and who mocked prayer itself. It's important to note the word hurl. This means power and intention, mighty action. And when you hurl something, you place great force behind it in order to make an impact. So God is no doubt doing the same thing here. Here we have the angel hurling down this bowl full of prayers. Very, very symbolic. In Psalm 11:6, he says, He will rain down upon the judgment for their sins. In the opposite action of prayer being lifted up to heaven, heaven is now literally raining down judgment to the earth. And as awful as this action is, we know throughout history and in our own lives, God has mercifully given us his mercy, grace, patience, and love. God has rained down and showered us with his love, even to the point of sending his beloved son to the earth to take on the most brutal death anyone can fathom. To now believe that this act of hurling down judgment to the earth is unfair, that is to say that you don't fully understand what God has given to each of us and how patient he is and how he has been patient. This should be a sobering yet beautiful reminder that your prayers are never in vain and God will vindicate his people. So now the half hour of silence is broken with the violence of the fire from heaven, the sounds and the sights, along with this massive earthquake. There is no doubt at this point that God is making his point of authority, power, and might. So the truth bomb here, we serve a mighty God who hears all of our prayers. Not one is wasted. And your call to action, more than ever, we must lift our prayers up to him. Who is it in your life that needs prayer this very moment in order to avoid a life and eternity separated from him? All right, we're on to our second division, the seven angels and the four trumpets. And this next section of chapter eight now shifts to the sounding of these trumpets. And we're going to cover four of them in this chapter. Verse six says, Then the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to sound them. Can't you see them lined up in heaven, trumpets in place, and awaiting the signal from the Almighty? And the next seven verses of this final part of chapter eight go through the first four trumpets being sounded. And these blasts bring burning, blood, bitterness, and blackness to the earth. And it's important to note that each of these blasts are coming at the direction, timing, and permission of Almighty God. So let's look at the first trumpet, which brings the burning, and the earth and the land are affected in this trumpet. 
Verse 7, the first angel sounded his trumpet, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and it was hurled down on the earth. A third of the earth was burned up, a third of the trees, and all of the green grass burned up. So the earth just experienced fire from heaven, sounds of thunder flashing and lightning, and an earthquake. And again, we see this second use of the word hurl, another violent blow to the earth as this first trumpet sounds. And we look back at God's judgment on Egypt in Exodus 9, and there was a combination of hail and fire. In the seventh plague upon Egypt, thunder, hail, and fire rained down on the crops, livestock, and the people. God does not mess around, and he means business. What is interesting to note at this point is it would be easy for God to simply be done with it all in complete destruction. Yet he does not. And the verse tells us that only a third of the earth and the trees were burned up. This shows us that God in all his mercy is still waiting on more people to come to him. This is only the action of a loving and merciful God. The second trumpet, now in verses 8 through 9, the seas and the oceans are affected. The second angel sounded his trumpet and something like a huge mountain all ablaze was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea turned to blood, a third of the living creatures died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. So as each trumpet begins sounding, more destruction follows. The first destroyed the land, while this next one focuses on the seawater. Not all the seas on the world are fully destroyed. Only a third, and only a third of the animals and the ships. And again, we are reminded of another incident of judgment from Exodus 7, where the water was turned to blood. John writes that something like a huge mountain indicates that this was another thing that comes to the earth to bring destruction. And many read and believe this could be a meteor hitting the earth, could be a nuclear blast. We just, we don't know and we don't need to get caught up in that. It's something big and would cause great destruction. And imagine when this happens and a third of the sea animals are killed, there would be a great deal of blood and a mess as a result. And also, the ships are involved. We know that there are thousands of soldiers and people out on ships and boats each day. So whether this is a literal or symbolic event of water turning to blood, the end result and effect is clear. Make no mistake that there is destruction on a massive scale. Now the third trumpet brings bitterness. The fresh water sources are affected. Verse 10 through 11 says, The third angel sounded his trumpet, and a great star blazing like a torch fell from the sky on a third of the rivers and on the springs of waters, and the name of the star is Wormwood. third of the water turned bitter, and many people died from the water that had become bitter. So as this third trumpet sounds, we are told another great star like a blazing torch falls. The earth is being pelted in the intense destruction continues. Imagine having gone through the first meteor and now here comes a second. This next one affects the fresh water sources, which are our rivers, our streams and creeks and lakes and ponds and natural springs. And we know how important water is for life on earth. And now two sources that are vital to life are being affected, the seas and now the fresh water. But again, only a third. So let's take a look at what wormwood is. The scientific name of it is Artemisia absinthium. It is a moderately poisonous plant. It contains bitter substances from a group of sesquipertine lactones, which is what causes the bitterness. And it can cause convulsions and death 
when administered in large amounts to animals and humans. I found it interesting that the name Artemisia is derived from the Greek goddess. We have already studied earlier in Revelation, Artemis. It's funny that the wormwood has that scientific name. This substance is used in moderation in some medications, but it also can be found in some alcoholic beverages that are called bitters. And as we know, when a substance is consumed in great quantities, it is generally not a good thing for people. Okay, moving to the fourth trumpet here in chapter eight, and this trumpet brings blackness. And this is where the sky and atmosphere are affected. Verse 12 says, The fourth angel sounded his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, a third of the stars, and a third of them turned dark. A third of the day was without light, and a third of the night. So we've seen the first three trumpets affect the earth, the seas, and the fresh water sources. And now we have this fourth trumpet, and the sky and atmosphere is affected. Included are the sun, moon, and stars. Each of these light sources are affected, thus plunging the earth into a hazy darkness. And you can imagine, with all the other destruction, certainly there is no electricity happening right now on earth. And now you've got a third of these nighttime stars and sun and everything affected. It would be really murky and dark and scary. Verse 13 changes a bit. It says, as I watched, I heard an eagle that was flying in midair, call in a loud voice, whoa, 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 to the inhabitants of the earth because of the trumpet blasts about to be sounded by the other three angels. So now in this final verse of chapter eight, we see a shift from the four trumpet narrative as this eagle appears crying out with these three woes. And most scholars believe that this is actually a bird of prey, a scavenger type bird, as the word eagle can be translated to mean vulture from the original language that John used. And this would make sense as most certainly there would be heaps of death all around after these first four trumpets have wreaked havoc on the earth. Birds of prey, they can smell death from miles and miles away. And can't you imagine the smells of death that people would be experiencing at this time? It would be awful. And the bird calls out, whoa, 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 as a warning to say, are you paying attention yet? God is still not finished. With this calling is also a calling to come to repentance. Give your hearts to Almighty God and give up your futile ways of the darkness. And throughout time, God has provided clear direction and clear warning to his people. He desires for us to listen and turn from our ways. He never surprises us as all has been foretold. You guys, we all have access to a Bible. We know what's coming. There's no reason to not know because it's there for us. And he tells us in the beginning of Revelation that blessed are those who read this word aloud and take it to heart and hear it. What has happened in your life when God was trying to get your attention? What warnings have you had? This chapter is difficult and scary as it should be, but the warning is clear in that those who continue to oppose him will eventually be brought down in a terrible manner. But fear not for those of us who have been sealed in Christ Go back and read chapter 7 if you need to. God's loving plan of Jesus provides us with another option of love and salvation. The concern should be for those who have yet to give their lives to Jesus, and they faithfully walk through life without the security of eternity. Knowing this should be our mission 
to tell others before it's too late. Who is God prompting you to put aside your pride, your fear of rejection or mocking, and give them the best gift ever, which is the truth of Christ? So your truth bomb? God has shared his plan of salvation to all who accept him. And he has also shared his plan of doom for those who reject him. Those are hard truths, you guys. And your call to action is, how will you move forward in light of chapter 8 of Revelation? Will you go boldly to those who are lost and give them the good news that Christ died for them and that they will indeed spend eternity with him if they choose to accept him into their hearts? So the summary, you guys, what a sobering chapter this is. Yet, our loving God continues to offer chance after chance to repent. Nothing that happens in chapter 8 should be a surprise to anyone paying attention. Here it is for anyone to read, to pray about, and to turn their lives around. The fear should be rooted in those who are lost and do not know Christ. Those who outwardly continue to live by their own rules, by their own volition, they will be faced with the sobering truth that along the way, they got it wrong. Don't allow them to hear the fateful words, I never knew you. It's our job to share God's plan of salvation, but ultimately it's up to each individual person to accept and turn from their ways. So my subject sentence for this lecture is God's justice prevails over those who oppose and deny him. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the book of Revelation. Thank you for opening it up to us. And please impress upon our hearts the importance of sharing your beautiful son, Jesus, to all we encounter. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Be sure to visit my website, drpaulamcdonald.com. Click on podcast and then exhale Bible discovery for self-study guides and resources to support you with each episode.